time. It's a funny thing. For you, it's been a week. But for us, it's been merely minutes since episode six of season two. The minutes have felt like a week. Yeah, yeah, cer- certainly have. Um, even the the time it took us to record the last episode felt like a a week. Um, How long not, was the last episode? About an hour and twenty minutes. Nice. So, which leads us to Sophia's choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan, and as always, joined by Brent, accounted for, and Ski. Hello, friends. And as you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he always makes the most innocuous thing sound creepy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me. I, I Ski is in his actual life and his actual actions is probably the least creepy person I know. He's mm-hmm. not quite Ned Flanders. I mean, he's definitely got more of a perverted flair to him than that. But as far as like being a good, wholesome person, <laughs> yeah. Ski tops anybody else that I think I know personally in his actual actions in daily life. But yet, in some of the things he says, he definitely has the creep vibe. Like, mm-hmm. I imagine someday Ski will get convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, but the jury won't believe it. Exactly. He's so. like, I just happen to be driving by in my plain white van. And yeah. <laughs> So, I but, just have a, a passion for selling ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Brent knows about those passions. He's yeah. uh, had family members that have experienced those same yearnings yeah. uh, for the ice cream sales. But um, Did I ever tell you about the time I, I thought I found a dead body? Uh-uh. <laughs> Was that when you and your three friends went out to the woods? Exactly. <laughs> just walking along the train tracks right. as we were wont to do. Poking them with a stick or two? Exactly. Yeah. No, um... So I was taking, uh, is living in an apartment complex, and I was taking trash down to the dumpster, mm-hmm. and I flipped the lid to throw in my bag, and I thought I saw, you know, a, a dead child lying in the bottom, <laughs> um, and you know, I immediately dropped the lid and spun around and, and left. I, <laughs> like, I'm not getting wrapped up in this like, shit. <laughs> like I got nauseous and I thought I was gonna throw oh, up. Oh yeah, and. And then, you know, I was like, okay, you know, get it together. And I just had this brief moment, like, where I was, as I was turning around to lift the lid up again. This kind of preparing yourself? Well, no. Well, it was basically, it's like, you know, if this is truly a dead body, you know, can I prove where I've been the last three days? Uh, because I'm sure they're going to ask that question. Right. <laughs> and I'm just notorious about, it's like, I don't know. I think maybe I went to the store. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't keep a running tally of how I've spent my time. Right. And I'm sure every minute needs to be accounted for. <laughs> yeah. If you discover a body. Um, but it wasn't, it was just um, a life-size doll that somebody had thrown away. Like oh, their okay. kids had outgrown it or whatever. <laughs> um, Still pretty creepy. In that, in that momentary, cause I, I just saw it for a moment and I closed the lids. I, I thought it was an actual, like, you know, corpse. And See, I, I think that definitely goes to show, although Ski is certainly the, um, throws out the more creepy lines mm-hmm. and, uh, and other things that can be misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he, that, that, that again, that proves the point that Ski would dive immediately into the dumpster to try to save this child, whereas you immediately go to, how can I prove I didn't kill this child? I immediately went to, I think I'm going to be nauseous, oh, okay. or I'm going to be sick, you okay. know. But then I got it together, and I opened it again. So, you know. See, I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I don't think, I think I'd be like, oh, I'm going to need to call 911. But I wouldn't be the type who'd be like, I'd be like, I don't know if I should get that child out. Like, what if they're injured? I may end up injuring them worse. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. don't wanna, you know, so I think I would think some self-preservation. Um, yeah. 
But uh, well, I think I think in any situation like that, you just let nine one one make the call. Oh like, yeah, you call nine one one. It's like, do I dive in? Right. And if they say yes, it's like yeah. going in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's probably actually the most prudent way to go. Yeah. Anyways, for all you out there who uh, find dead bodies in the <laughs> trash can, right now Dumpster. you know our two cents. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I throwing away a perfectly good white boy. <laughs> <laughs> that joke's from men at work. Ah. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. Like I they, love that. Didn't they find them in barrels or something? Dead yeah, bodies yeah. in barrels. Yeah, um, and um, is Emilio Estevez like somebody's throwing away a perfectly good white boy, or somebody in the movie says it, mm. not Charlie Sheen, but anyways. I remember as a lad, I thought that line was really, really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was talking to my wife one day, and I forget how it came up, but I used that line. And she's like, my mom loved this movie that they said that line in, and she would say it all the time. <laughs> and so like, every time I've met my mother-in-law since then, I've wanted to find a way to work it into a conversation just to see if she'd like, you know, fist bump me or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that could, I mean, I, from every impression I've gotten, you have a, a pretty decent relationship with mm-hmm. your in-laws. Yeah. Um, you've never, I don't think you've ever had a negative thing to say about this particular set of in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that would definitely still ingrate you even more if you could yeah. <laughs> incorporate that in. Exactly. Her favorite Charlie Sheen movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here we are about six minutes in and uh, you may not know, but we're about to do a season two, <laughs> episode seven of the Golden Girls, uh, mm-hmm. a family affair. Now, you may have noted that I started the episode off a little differently than I typically do, which means, of course, that Brent will be doing our recap today, yes. and uh, Ski will be uh, on the sidelines doing the, you know, the commentary and zingers as we go through. Zing. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you know how these zinger things work, Ski, but I appreciate your effort. <laughs> so. Can I say bazinga, or is that you know trademarked, and I would get sued? I mean, if we were making money, then there would be a possibility. <laughs> but at this point, uh, there's point. been zero cents coming in, and you know, a moderate amount going out. So, um, anyways, but uh, with that, I will go ahead and turn it over to Brent to start off his recap. So yeah, we've got <clears throat> uh, Family Affair. Original air date was uh, Saturday, November twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, turned two oh. on that day. And the Incredible Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, turned 19. Oh, so they share a birthday? Yes, they do. That's awesome. They do. Um, Man, that's almost the same age difference as Big Daddy had with his lady in the last... Uh, <laughs> 17 year difference. <laughs> yeah. But there's no issue with the Hulk date and Black Widow and, uh, <laughs> and Avengers. So. Exactly. Um, so it was also the day that uh, famous Tara Hoshan, uh Scatman Crothers died at the age of 76. Oh. Uh, big Scatman Crothers fan here. Uh, he was Louie on Chico and the Man, uh, which as far as like, you know, sitcom casts go, I would put Chico and the Man up there with, you know, not any of them from the 70s. Uh, so he's also Dick Halloran in Kubrick's The Shining. Um, you guys probably just know him from his voice work. You know, Hong Kong Fooey, right. Aristocats, uh, Meadowlark Lemon in the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon. Oh, yeah, of course. The, the Autobot Jazz. <laughs> so, I do remember watching the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon, but I, yeah, yeah. no. I always just saw him on Scooby-Doo when okay. they were on there. Yeah, I never watched their solo show. So, uh, special shout out to Tommy Keen, who died on November 22nd in 2017. So, and, you know, as loyal listeners know, 
uh, November 22nd, 1986, was also the 43rd anniversary of the death of Lorenz Hart. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, you know, that was 20 years before the Kennedy assassination, which, you know, was 43 years before this one. <laughs> so, um, anywho, so other big stuff that was happening that weekend. So this is the weekend, okay, that Universal released um, an American tale oh, in okay. theaters. You no know. cats in America, from what I understand. Exactly. Streets are made of cheese and whatnot. <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously, you know, Disney not wanting to cede the animated, you know, landscape to a rival studio, decided to re-release one of their classics back in the theaters. Um, but I mean, it, it wasn't just for spite. Um, they were also celebrating its 40th anniversary, plus the opening of its corresponding rides at Disneyland, Disney World. So and obviously, since we're talking about 1986, we're talking about Song of the South being in the theaters again. <laughs> so, wow. Um, Boy, isn't that crazy that, I mean, that wasn't that long ago, and now the ride's changing names because exactly. of, uh, yeah. Very timely bring up, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I'd also like to bring up Charles Solomon of the Los Angeles Times, who wrote in 1986 <laughs> when it was re released that Song of the South is, quote, Essentially a nostalgic valentine to a past that never existed, and within those limits, it offers a pleasant family diversion for holiday afternoons when the children get restless. <laughs> so, huh. Charles Solomon, you were wrong then, and I'd like to remind people now <laughs> that you were. So are we going to cancel Charles Solomon at this <laughs> we point? We are. We are. <laughs> Well, he so. didn't say who it's a diversion for or who it's pleasant for either. Well, so. yeah, but if he said it was pleasant <laughs> and all, that makes them. Exactly. <laughs> so you're saying Charles was no, right. I'm there are good people on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying that there's definitely a culture out there that would appreciate it. Okay. So, uh, directed by Terry Hughes. Um, this was his 16th episode of the 108 he would direct. And again, 86% of those episodes in the first five seasons um and it was written by uh, winifred hervey and this was the sixth episode she'd written and the most recent one was uh, the way we met which i believe we all enjoyed the first time around and with that uh we start off with act one scene one the living room um sophia's sitting on the couch uh there's a little charcuterie board in front of her right yep she grabs a piece of slammy <laughs> um, that was what I jotted down <laughs> when we were recording the previous episode. I was like, salami, I need that in my notes. <laughs> also rhymes with whammy in Miami. Yeah, exactly. But not hoot nanny. Right. It's marginal. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Sophia steals some salami. Blanche returns from aerobics. Uh, Dorothy's youngest son, Michael, shows up unannounced. Uh, Dorothy's excited to see him, and Sophia is as well. Uh, Michael and Sophia appear to have a close bond, and it's assumed that because, you know, they share a hairdresser. Uh, Rose <laughs> returns with her daughter, Bridget, who's in her app to study at Oxford. Uh, Michael makes a joke about the commute that was worthy of five slices of cheesecake. <laughs> Um, you know, it's announced that the 29-year-old Michael is not enrolled in college, and Bridget makes, Bridget makes a joke that's only worth like 0.2 slices of cheesecake. Do they ever say how old Bridget is? No, but I mean, she's a college girl, and he's 29-year-old yeah. traveling jazz musician. Yeah. So there's a bit of disparity in, <laughs> in their backgrounds. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And they're prospects, too, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they describe Michael as a, a big-time musician in New York, mm -hmm. and... 
I don't know. There would have to be a pretty small number of jazz musicians in history that could be described as a big time musician. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> There's a big drop off between Miles Davis. Right. And number two. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jazz is not a, a form of music that produces a lot of big time stars. And granted, I'm not saying it doesn't have, take plenty of talent to master the, mm-hmm. that form of music, but um I don't know, big time is... Household names are, are right, few yeah. and far between. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But so. Michael Sporsmack, maybe, <laughs> was on his way to becoming another big one. Yeah. Uh, and you men- you didn't mention that uh, when Blanche got back from aerobics, she could barely walk with her uh, hunchback yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, her back was thrown out. So anyways, um, you know, Rose comes in, um, brings in Bridget and everything like that. Uh, so Rose asks, asks about the wooden shoes made out of cheese, and Dorothy responds with a comment about the windmills made out of triscuits. And, um, I mean, I'll defer to Denumi on this point, but I think it's odd that the proudly Scandinavian Rose is serving snacks that are based upon those dirty, dirty Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing worse than those swish, swishy Danes. <laughs> exactly, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Numi. So, so it's then established that Michael will be using Blanche's room since she won't be needing it for a few days. Okay. Uh, scene two starts off in the kitchen. It's the next morning. Um, Dorothy and Sophia and Michael are having a meal that Michael refers to as breakfast. Um, Blanche returns from seeing a specialist about her back. Uh, Dorothy gives Michael and Sophia $10, and it's implied that they're going to parlay that into $20 and then watch some bums fight. Um, I did like that they said something about uh, how, how they were. Do you remember? Uh, they're going to go to the dog track to double it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then they're know. like, and then we'll... we'll Something about the bums, like the old, yeah. yeah, I think it was like watch them fight over. So, I mean, it, yeah. it almost literally, <laughs> you know, was that which uh, exactly. Yeah. I, the only way I would hate them more is if they were like, oh, now we can go forward to go see the Song of the South reissue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was a uh, was an odd an odd part. I think the the movie they were gonna see was the um, Journey the, of Natty Gan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I had never heard of that. Apparently, a John Cusack uh, vehicle. Um, Well, it's one of those things. It's like, Sophia does not want to watch a movie about a young girl going through the Depression. I mean, she lived it. Right, yeah. (laughs) She was Natty Gann. (laughs) (laughs) So, anywho. Um, So then Rose returns from a picnic breakfast with Bridget. Uh, They also picked wild flowers and waited in the creek. Uh, They did a third thing, but Dorothy wouldn't let her finish the sentence. Yeah, they never did get that out. Yeah. Um, You know, since they did all of this in, quote, the country, you know, it's assumed that they drove the four and a half hours to Okala National Forest. Uh. (laughs) Because that would be the nearest country to Miami (laughs) outside of Cuba. I like to think the Everglades. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more of a swamp than the country. Right. <laughs> it's all it's all interpretation. So you go wading in a creek in the Everglades <laughs> with with the with the beautiful uh, alligators in the steps. Yeah, listen, you can't go swimming at Disney World without having to worry about an alligator, much less actually wading into the literal swamps. But um, yeah. one little thing you skipped over, and I don't remember the context because I was sure you would bring it up, is that uh, they do mention uh, Julie Newmar in uh, this episode. Yeah. You know, so that gave us a second Batman connection in a row. Last week we had the Mad Hatter, and now, mm-hmm. granted, she's not in the episode, but at yeah. least uh, the oh, Catwoman. I remember is now. the context. What was the uh, context? Blanche says, you know, she went to the doctor, mm-hmm. got checked out, and uh, the doctor said, you know, besides having the body of, you know, the perfect body specimen of anyone he's seen since Julie Newmar. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I so. figure I would have thought Julie Newmar would have stood out to you, but your your recaps are very concise. So <laughs> exactly, goes straight to the money shots. Right. So, um, so obviously, you know, given the amount of time associated with Blanche going to see a specialist and Rose and Bridget driving out to the country and doing all of that, money I shots, th- by the way, are particularly good in this episode. I think. Okay. <laughs> I look forward to you calling them out. <laughs> well, specifically one. Okay. We'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, given how much time those things took, the meal that Dorothy fixed for Sophia and Michael, it was probably lunch, but I'll concede that it could have been brunch. Mm. So, uh, Blanche suggests that Bridget and Michael spend some social time together. Rose responds with another Scandinavian expression about leading herrings to water. And then more words are said, and then Dorothy's alone with her coffee. <laughs> that was a good line that you're uh, uh, skipping over um, <laughs> to some extent, or at least uh, shortening. But yeah. yeah, you can lead a herring to water, but you have to walk really fast or he'll die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should try to work that into my daily life. Um, but I know there was a, a comedian a while back. I, I have no idea the name of the comedian, so I'm sorry to steal the line, or at least to reference it without giving him direct credit. But he's, it was uh, something to the effect of, you can lead a horse... To water, but you have to be uh, damn strong and determined to drown a son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I knew who to give credit to, I would, but I can only say that it was not me that came up with that. Pretty solidly funny. Yeah, yeah, it was a good line. And I probably saw that comedy 20 years ago. It could this be point, a very weak longer. horse. Yeah, well, it could be, but um, <laughs> but I don't think that the strength of the horses. Take this pony. This <laughs> comedian was it was twenty years ago. When mm-hmm. you heard that. So you're gonna be like Paula Poundstone for all we. Yeah, know. I mean, I know it was a man. It was definitely a male. So comedian. it could have been Paula Poundstone. <laughs> it, it, it was someone who was born a man, uh, okay. not someone with the shoulders, okay. uh, shoulder pads of a man. Okay, but, um, so cousin Jerry. <laughs> It, I, I remember he had a, a, an unusual style, uh, which was funny. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was almost like an angry Stephen Wright kind of a, a thing, um, much more uh, in your quite face. As dry, than that. yeah, not as dry, mm-hmm. like more of like uh, aggressive, but with a lot of just mm-hmm. off the wall kind of uh, humor. But did he open the bit with "You might be a redneck if <laughs> <laughs> you lead a horse to water"? <laughs> I, I can definitely say it was none of the. Um, the the members blue of collar. that particular yeah the blue collar <laughs> <laughs> crew <laughs> so, and it was definitely none of the kings of comedy tr- um, mm-hmm. group either uh, mm-hmm. so in my mind's eye and this could be totally wrong but there's a character on The Walking Dead who is bald about halfway back to his head and he he definitely looks like an angry redneck kind of a guy mm-hmm. has a mustache and that's who I see in my head when I think mm-hmm. of this guy. Um, gotcha. But uh, I could be completely wrong because, again, we're talking yeah. 20, yeah. maybe 30 <laughs> years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it was a, you know, a long time ago. But still, that line has stuck with me through all yeah, that. And long enough for me to not give credit to somebody <laughs> for it. <laughs> credit was due. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so we've seen threes um, starting off in the living room. Uh, Dorothy and Sophia are playing cards. Blanche and her achy back in her. Um, conversation ensues. Uh, Dorothy doesn't know that Michael isn't there. Apparently, he left hours earlier with Bridget to check out the symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Goldens are then in the kitchen. Rose is informed that Bridget and Michael went on a date. You know, she leaves. 
Uh, it's established that Blanche hasn't done host stuff in four days, and Dorothy starts <laughs> to worry that Blanche is going to navigate to the nearest safe harbor, you know, any port in the storm. And I thought this was a callback to last week. This was one of my favorite lines. Blanche, or when Dorothy thought that, you know, Rose was wanting to get in on the, the Dorothy action. And this week she thought Blanche oh. wanted to get in on the Dorothy action. Oh. <laughs> well, it did, like Blanche has a, a really great line. Like she said, like she's like a Corvette on up on blocks. Yeah. yeah. Just revving its engine and, and she's holding on to Dorothy's arm. Yeah. And Dorothy says something along the lines of, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing I can do to help you. So please stop looking at me that way and let go of my arm. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so then they hear Rose call from the other room and Dorothy and Blanche go to see what's happening in Blanche's room. You know, obviously since it's Blanche's room, plenty. Uh, Bridget seems to be happy about her conquest and the almost 30-year-old Michael seems embarrassed by the fact that Money he's shot. with a college girl. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I called it out for you. Because <laughs> you see Michael's nipples? <laughs> no, it was like, you know, it was a sex scene of sorts. Money shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was an implied sex scene. Okay, <laughs> so, that's the money shot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a that definitely. Number one, it was creepy for sure what he just <laughs> said there, but also kind of Ned Flandersy that that would be the money shot. Two yeah. people completely covered in bed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to get your little uh, money shot gong. Chicken ring. Exactly. So. Now, a couple little things that you skipped over in your, um, I don't know, first uh, act review mm-hmm. um, or recap, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, uh, a little line by Blanche that I enjoyed where she was like, I'm tired of being in bed. And mm-hmm. she says, did I just say that? Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, a fun one. And then at one point, Dorothy is asking about the kids, where the kids are. And, you know, I think Rose is something like, ooh, you know, Michael and Bridget or something mm-hmm. to that effect. And she says, no, the, the cats and jammer kids <laughs> is who she was looking for. Which, you know, I looked up the Cats and Jammer Kids because, mm-hmm. you know, it was a fun yeah, name. Yeah. And apparently that was a, an 1897 comic strip yeah. or a comic strip started back in 1897 uh-huh. um, by Rudolph Dirk. Uh-huh. And he was the, the first, that was the first cartoonist to regularly use uh, speech bubbles mm-hmm. um, to, yeah. to convey, you know, wow. characters talking. That's kind of interesting factoid. That, that comic strip ran all the way mm-hmm. until uh, January 1st of 2006. <laughs> so for over a hundred years, yeah. that comic wow. strip was going. Now, of course, it changed hands, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have no idea where it came from. But when I was um, a lad, I had a book of Cats and Jammer. Like, I think it was something like my dad had got when he was a kid. Uh, it was just a tiny little paperback of, you know, Cats and Jammer <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> well, apparently um, he had a uh, a dispute with the publisher that had at the mm-hmm. Hearst, Hearst Company, okay. which you know, I think is still still going strong today in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he split off from them in like 1914 mm-hmm. and then created another comic strip using the exact same characters just under a different name. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, the, like the, the comic strip kids. <laughs> well, yeah, the comic strip was under a different name, but the names of the characters in it were the same. Um, I guess it started off as a Hans and Fritz and then changed to, I think, Captain and the Kids. <laughs> and, and that one went for a really long time separately uh-huh. while the Cats and Jammer yeah. kids continued going on its own. Um but I thought it was great. The uh, apparently the thing was inspired by a, a German story from the 1860s mm-hmm. um, called uh, Max and uh, Moritz, I believe is what okay. it was. Max and Moritz, <laughs> and it said that they were um, 
the apparently the commissary was something about kids who pulled pranks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in uh, as opposed to this one that ran for a hundred and odd years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max and Maritz uh, were grotesquely but comically put to death after seven destructive pranks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really thought you were going to say it was a you bad say idea. comically but grotesquely? Yeah, grotesquely but comically yeah. uh, put to death um, for seven pranks that they had pulled. And that was in a children's book in the 1860s. That gives you an idea that Germany means business. Was, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was about a mischievous prankster named Adolf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be uh well, you know, it is cats and jammer kids. I wondered if there was going to be anything like any tangential racism in there because yeah. you know, and there were things that were racist in today's lens, but mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that was racist uh as in like KK, you know, adding yeah. an extra K to it to yeah. racist. But gotcha. um yeah, so there you go. So that's uh, the you know, thankfully I was in here so that I could educate our <laughs> audience on the cats and jammer kids. Exactly. <laughs> but uh yeah, quite quite the storied, uh, yeah. long running, long running series. Very nice. And they do still uh, they do still do reprints of that. Uh, I think in an annual books over in uh, some of the, uh, you know, Norwegian countries. And that you know, so you never know. Perhaps at some point in time, Numi may have come across a, a book. A cats and Jammer Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could it be. Maybe, maybe they maybe they had a direct tie into uh, Rose's lineage. Uh, yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> he was a cat and jammer. Right. <laughs> Well, it's odd because they have black hair, but maybe that's just because that's the color of ink or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, so Act 2 starts off um, um, in Blanche's room. And so, like, the first thing that we establish is that, you know, Michael hung his pants on the doorknob mm-hmm. and then walked naked across the room right. to get into bed with Bridget. <laughs> it's foreplay. It's, it's, I mean, that's the kind of confidence only jazz musicians have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time musicians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I met a college girl and I tried that move, it would not go well. Yeah. <laughs> she would have buyer's remorse as I got halfway across the room. Well, and this is midday, too. So exactly. you've got the harsh light of the sun that's shining on Exactly. It's funny who Sophia enters and accuses Michael of being a gigolo. Obviously, you know, Sophia's ignorant because, you know, Michael's not a young man, nor was he paid. <laughs> right. Or in some manner financially supported for his services, and not to mention the fact that Bridget is not an older woman. Yeah. So the whole analogy is just wrong. Uh, Blanche tries to compliment Michael on his performance, but Bridget isn't having it. She said it was good, but not great. Right. Uh, Michael <laughs> blames the wine, and out of character, Bridget tries to console him and say it's okay. Because um, she was kind of a B-word to him at the start of the oh, episode, yeah. so I'm not sure why she's all, oh, it's okay, big guy. He right. tried. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so far, Rose's, um, Rose's kids have really proved to be assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's not as big as the previous daughter. No, but. no. Well, we just don't get as much of Bridget in this episode as we did the mm-hmm. prior daughter. But, um, but, yeah, so far, I mean, she's definitely uh, stuck up, <laughs> yeah. you know, Sometimes Rose is oblivious to the fact that her daughter has a point of comparison about how Michael did. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goldens leave the kids um, alone in the room. Theoretically, they're going to join them, but we don't see them again until the next day. So maybe he did finally get approved to her that you know, he could handle it. 
So uh, scene two is in the living room. Um, the Goldens are there. They argue over who the aggressor was in the relationship. Uh, Rose and Dorothy bicker about which child is the worst. Uh, Blanche comments that Henry Kissinger doesn't have a job and he's still highly regarded. And that was my favorite line of the episode. <laughs> uh, Dorothy and Rose go back and forth and back and forth. Um, Dorothy slut shames Bridget and says that it's the college girl's fault for seducing the traveling jazz musician. Which I don't much care for that at all. <laughs> no, no, not me either. Uh, especially too because you know the jazz musician is, is older for sure. Exactly. Um, you know, I think under any way that you would, you know, just determine it. I don't think there's any way you could spin it that he's just, uh, you know, yeah. they're the same age. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things that I'm not saying it was wrong. It was wrong that you know they didn't get permission first to use Blanche's room for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the only I part. Mean, they're both of age and everything. Oh, yeah. But like, if you were to cast dispersions, I don't think that it would be the girl's fault in this situation. Yeah, this uh, this episode is definitely rife with hypocrisy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, I'll grant that they you know had just been dating the one day or whatever. Yeah. Um, but. All of the women so far have had sex outside of marriage mm-hmm. um, during the se- <laughs> during the show, and yeah, yeah, yeah. some of which were pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, I mean, even Blanche aside, I mean, certainly Blanche, you know, is very open about her uh, conquest, yeah. but uh, but all the others have as well. Yeah, so. I mean- you know, Dorothy and Rose have both been with married men. Mm-hmm. You know, Rose even killed hers. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you know, Dorothy should be glad that, you know, Bridget didn't kill Michael. Mm-hmm. I really like, there was a line in there um, in this whole exchange between Rose and, and, uh, and Dorothy where, you know, they've been very complimentary towards the Cosby show, you mm-hmm. know, mentioning it several times yeah. in episodes about how great it is. Apparently not so much for growing pains because yeah. <laughs> you know, she takes a shot saying that she can't believe Alan Thicke has a hit series, yeah. um, which I'm guessing growing pains probably would have been a main uh, competitor for them um, yeah. during this time because they were both, you know, both going strong. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I guess they they were fine with taking a shot at the other networks. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, like, what had Alan Thicke done prior to this that made her think he had no talent? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question, but... Now, his son was a singer, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, still and is, tried, I believe. Well, yeah, yeah. but like... Blurred lines? Of, mm-hmm. Sexy lines? Blurred lines? Blurred lines, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And they found out that that was kind of like all faked, or like he had stolen lyrics. I believe they found out. I, I or There was some kind of copyright. There may have been, yeah. yeah. He I mean, plagiarized a Marvin Gaye song or something. Gotcha. Like the beat or rhythm or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that, is dumb. I don't listen to the the top forty. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Brent's too cool for <laughs> popular music. So. We'd go to Bonnaroo and he'd know all of them. We'd be like, I don't know those guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's funny because Brent likes jam bands. Like he he loves the Grateful Dead, fan of Fish, <laughs> and, and lots of other smaller uh, you know indie bands and and, uh, and performers and whatnot. But I can't really imagine you mm-hmm. at a music festival. Like, mm-hmm. that does not seem like your, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like, I just don't picture like you. Like scene? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so, Are you is a that single concert like... kind of guy? I mean, Helene and I have gone to a couple of festivals. Have you? Yeah. Um, but not like like the super big ones like that. Or oh, okay. the jam bands or anything like that. Like, I love Fish. Um you know, incredibly. and I told you I've been like re-listening to their summer of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got through like the first 19 shows 
um, in like two weeks, and then I, I had to take a break. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was one of those things that I loved every moment of it, but I just could never, ever see them in concert. I can't imagine anything worse than being around people like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've seen them in concert. You've seen fish? Yeah. Nice. Um, at Deer one Creek? Of my, say what? At Deer Creek? or? Uh, yes. Nice. Uh, one of my very good friends, um, he's been dead for a long time now. He got in a, a car wreck. <laughs> yeah, it's been over a decade ago. <laughs> but he was a huge fish fan, and oh, he yeah. kind of turned several of us at work on to <laughs> the jam band kind of scene. Yeah. And uh, kind of as a memoriam to him, <laughs> a bunch of us got tickets to go to, it supposedly it was going to be the last fish concert series, <laughs> yeah. and then they've got together again since yeah. then. But <laughs> at the time, it was touted as their farewell tour. Yeah. And yeah. uh, so we got to go see him, I think. So it was like 2004? That sounds right. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. But yeah. uh, I got like a T-shirt and stuff. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of uh, marijuana smell everywhere and mm-hmm. people selling uh, grilled cheese sandwiches, yeah. Birkenstocks. And, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> we, um, yeah, the thing like the Facebook memories or whatever popped up the other day. It was the, I don't know how many years, 11 years, whatever, um, since... Um, uh, I met Dave Matthews. The, oh. the kids and I were downtown. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. So, um, I saw Dave Matthews um, 95, 96, and 97 at Deer Creek. Um, and then after three years in a row, I was like, you know, I think I'm done. I never need to see him again. <laughs> and I told him that too when I bumped into him on the street. <laughs> 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 yeah. He was really, he was very nice and very cool. And he took a picture of the, with the kids and everything like wow. that. Wow. So, that, that's the first time I've ever heard about this celebrity encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was really nice. And the, um, uh, the kids, uh, he had, you know, some bodyguards there and there were other people who like sort of came around. So they were kind of nervous. But there are no that. match for you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. You took them out with no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, he had made a couple of kids movies. And so once the kids saw those, then they were like, oh, wow, we met a movie star, oh. you know? So, what, what movies was he? Um, he was in an adaptation of uh, Where the Red Fern Grows. Okay. I've um, heard played of that. the dad. And then um, Because of Win Dixie. Okay, oh, I've heard of that too. Yeah, I've not seen either of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're both really good movies. He was very I've good. I've seen in both because of Win Dixie. That was a good movie for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, but. So yeah, they think they've met a movie star. So Ski, you uh, you went to a fish concert. Have you been in to any concert recently? Like, what's the most recent concert you've been to? I don't know. Hmm. Um, I'm sure I could think of it. Why do you know? And you're not <laughs> like oh, I, I, I just uh, <laughs> I kind of remember. I know that you have a varied. Um, I have a very odd set of concerts that I've been to. Yeah, well, you know, Fish. I know you've been to Weird Al a couple times. Um, as I recall, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the last concert you went to was Celine Dion with your mom. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. yeah, that was probably the last one. <laughs> I mean, I know that you're... Thanks for sliding that in there. Well, I just know that your heart goes on, and uh, I <laughs> well, think we look, all appreciate I, I that. I can say that I love Celine Dion's music and not feel bad about myself. No, hey, listen, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't doubt that at all, and, and nor am I, um, you know... It, it you just you have a very uh, eclectic taste in That's, music. For well, sure. yeah, I think the, as the, as eclectic probably as Brent's, just not um, not nearly as uh, much street cred as he has. Though no, no, I'm not as refined by any stretch. <laughs> right. I think the the concert I probably saw before that. As long as you don't count uh, Impractical Jokers, because mm. that's not really a concert. Well, sure, yeah. But uh, I think it was the the previous year or maybe two years before. Uh, me and my wife went to go to it was Deer Creek, uh, whatever they call it now. Yeah, Verizon announced yeah, something that, different. Doesn't matter. But it was like a variety of uh, uh, '90s hip hop artists. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that you were I giving it the benefit of the doubt. Salt and Pepper was the yeah. uh, the headliner, and uh, 
think Montel Jordan was there maybe, mm-hmm. and a variety of other. Uh, um, Did he teach you how to roll it? Say what? Did he teach you how to roll it? <laughs> yeah, he taught me all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I think Cisco, who I'm not a huge fan of, but uh, he was there too. I remember that because he had that one thong song. No, oh, okay. I don't think that was the <laughs> '90s, though. So, well, I it think was, it must have been a bigger mix than just the '90s. Um, well, I guess he did. Uh, he was actually had a song that was popular in the '90s. That was probably '90s, 2000s, but mm-hmm. that time frame. Yeah, yeah, and right around the uh, right around that, because that's when Sherry and I, when we got married, and see, I guess that would have been the '90s. We got married in 2001, and uh, I remember Brandon, her little brother, who was like 15 years younger than us. Uh, requesting um, the thong song, I think, because <laughs> uh, he enjoyed the dumps in the truck. Uh, <laughs> so, and at the time, he would have been probably six years old, five years old. I don't even like remember that, that lyric, yeah. but it's great. Um, <laughs> On that, um, that show Happy Endings, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, whenever the uh, one of the characters has to do a number two, all the other characters, you know, male or female. You know, say they had to go dump out, um, <laughs> which I thought was really, really funny. Um, but the other, I guess it was a few weeks back or whatever. Um, somebody at the office was asking where, um, you know, an elderly lady who works at the office was. <laughs> and I said, oh, she had to go dump out. <laughs> she just made me laugh internally. And they were just mortified. <laughs> I would like to think that that joke probably sustained you for the entire day. (laughs) It truly did. That is a pretty good one, though. So so you you definitely deserve to revel in that one a bit. Yeah. Um, Anyways, where were we at on that? uh, So scene three starts in the kitchen. Uh, It's the next morning. Dorothy and Blanche are discussing the Miami Vice. Uh, Sophia enters dressed like a grieving widow. Then Rose enters. Um, they're all still mad at each other, but they take the time to listen to Blanche tell another story about her escapades. And then she follows it up with a reminder that her children don't visit her, which we established last week. Oh, that was, that was, yeah, that's actually what I wanted to mm-hmm. throw back. We discussed in the previous episode mm-hmm. that there was a, a follow-up. Mm-hmm. And then pre- previously in the last episode, Blanche yeah. says something about how her, her kids don't bother to visit her. Mm-hmm. And then she brings it up again this time. Yeah. Yeah, I know in this scene, she also talks about her time at the uh, Miss McGuire's uh, finishing school. Yeah. Um, and they had the uh, annual Fine Manners Ball, which, <laughs> I don't know, which would you say would be a bigger event, the annual Fine Manners Ball or the uh, Best Friends of Best Friends of Health Society um, banquet or whatever it's called, <laughs> Best Friends of Health? Uh, I don't know, but I do know that um, I don't think really that Blanche needed to go to that school because I get the impression she always finishes. (laughs) (laughs) And never leaves the job incomplete. (laughs) Finishing school. Do I need to go with another uh, money shot alarm? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, though, if you're going to do it, you need to do like that. Like that kind of a thing. (laughs) Yeah, like something like that, but. I know I'll one of these days. Way to do it. If we ever get the soundboard, um, go, <laughs> raise yeah. the money for a soundboard here, then <laughs> yeah, we can start adding in those wacky sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, scene four is out on the lanai. Um, Michael's playing the jazz. Uh, Dorothy comes out, and the two of them have a nice chat. Um, you know, Michael has a good head on his shoulders. They have a good talk, and they des- they decide that him quote basically and quote being decent and honest is enough. Sophia joins them, and Michael has to apologize to her as well. 
Uh, scene five is in the kitchen. Rose and Bridget have a heart-to-heart about the incident. Uh, Bridget tells Rose that she's been sexually active for four years, and they hug it out. Then scene six in the living room, the Goldens and their grandkids say their goodbyes. The kids share a cab to the airport, and then Blanche resumes her own activities, and the episode ends. Do you think that on the uh, on in that cab ride, they stopped off at a motel, and Bridget gave up the mud button? <laughs> <laughs> say they, they joined the Mile High Club oh. <laughs> on the plane. Well, well go ahead. I mean, he'd be going to Louisiana. Do you mm-hmm. think they would have tried to get a flight that stopped in Louisiana <laughs> on its way to Oxford? Yeah, <laughs> as, as so many flights do. <laughs> it's, that's a normal progression. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just assumed they were both taking a flight to Atlanta, and then he had to catch a flight to oh, okay. New Orleans. Yeah, going to, to a hub. In yeah. yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. So. Yeah. One of my favorite, my probably my favorite line of the episode is right there at the end. Uh, Bridget's at you know saying bye to everybody. She says thanks mm-hmm. for having me, and Sophia makes a comment. Don't thank me, thank my grandson. Yeah, that was a good line. That was maybe one of the best of the of the episode. So. That was a good zinger at the end there. Now, for anybody, another thing that um, is mentioned, I think Dorothy says that uh, Bridget is faster than Marcus Allen. Yes. And, yes, and Rose comments that she doesn't know, even know who Marcus <laughs> yeah. Allen is. So in case you're in that same boat, mm-hmm. uh, he was the 1981 Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. as well as playing 16 seasons in the NFL. So yeah. I know he played for the Chiefs, right? Who else did he play for? Anyone? Uh, I think the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. The 85 season, he had like 7,000 yards or something like that. Does that seem realistic? That's, no, but um, he may have had – he may have led the league in yards, but I don't so think or, or fifteen hundred is that yeah fifteen hundred yeah that would be that would be a very good good season, um, but but within the realm yeah. of reason so yeah seven thousand I, I want to say that uh, maybe three hundred carries yeah it could have been something like that or maybe he did it over like a period of time seven thousand is it would be a, a solid NFL career yeah not like one of the great ones necessarily yeah. but but definitely a solid career yeah. so. Yeah, perhaps over the course of time he ended up getting yeah. that. But he was certainly – I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or not, but uh, – I know he was pretty good. He was, yeah. He is, yeah. Well yeah. regarded he's in his 60 time. now. Oh, is he really? <laughs> so when was his birthday? Apparently not November 22nd. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> so. now, I want to say April 23rd, but I could be off. So, Ski, did you have any uh, any favorite lines in that episode? That um, uh, the, the end one there, where you know, you don't, don't thank me, thank my grandson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I, I didn't love uh, Sophia in general in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like I thought the whole wearing black, uh, like mourning the a little bit overkill. Yeah, yeah, I didn't didn't necessarily love that, but that particular line I liked. And she also had my actual favorite line. I think was when they discover him in the bedroom. You know, of course. Uh, all four of them coming there to check out what's going on. Right, yeah, it gets pretty uh, crowded pretty quick. Yeah, but she says, uh, I think Michael says, like, it's not what you think or it's not what it looks like or something like uh, that. Yeah, this she says, one. oh, please, I'm 80 years old. I may not remember what it feels like, but I sure remember what it looks like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I thought that was pretty funny. But, and how about you, uh, Brent? Was there anything uh, left out of your recap that you wanted to? Okay. No. What would you say your favorite line was? Do you remember? Um, when Rose says that, you know, Michael doesn't even have a job and Blanche says, well, really neither does Henry Kissinger. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, still yeah. highly regarded. <laughs> I just thought that was a really funny line. Yeah. Regardless that was... of what you think Kissinger. <laughs> you know, Henry Kissinger's still alive. Is he really? Him and Bob Dole. They're like 97, 98. Because I, uh, I had to look that up real quick. I was like, is Henry Kissinger, when did he die? 
And I was like, oh, some bitch is still alive. And then, it, <laughs> and then like below that, because obviously I care about, you know, right-wing politicians, <laughs> right. I saw that Bob Dole was trending. And I was like, what's he trending for? And it was like, because people were wishing him happy 97th birthday. They're, they're, they're going to vote for him over Trump in the next election. Oh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Ski, so, who would be uh, your MVP for that episode? Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, was probably uh, Blanche. Blanche. I think she kind of brought everybody back together at the end. Yeah, I know you always go, or not always, but but frequently go for the person who I don't know was the the best person, if you will, in the episode kind of the or moral the moral center. Yeah, uh, which is an odd place for Blanche to be. Uh, yeah, true, <laughs> to that's be the true. Moral compass point. for the episode, but okay. uh, and how about you, Brent? Who got MVP for you? Oh, um, we had some breaking news halfway through the recap. Oh, okay, um, we had a, a death. So I'm going to go ahead and give my MVP to the recently departed Mr. Wilford Brimley. Oh, so. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Wilford Brimley, did he die on what is actually today? Yeah, uh, he, he died like 20 minutes ago or something. Like oh, wow. or it was announced. Oh, OK. Halfway through the recap when I was looking up something that somebody had said. It was like, oh, Wilford Brimley died. Well, I guess that uh, heaven's awaiting their shipment of Quaker oats. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, one less diabetic, though. <laughs> I was, I was more dialysis really, for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> really gonna. I was on the fence what I wanted to say. I'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway. People can hate me for it if they want to. But uh, did he die of diabetes? Diabetes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Pretty reasonable possibility. What, there's a show. Um, it's like, we don't have the cable or whatever, um, but we were at a hotel, and there's some show on Disney or Nickelodeon, the Reds or the Greens, or it's about like hillbilly people who moved to the city. Do you know oh, what okay. I'm talking about? Um, I believe it's called Beverly Hillbillies. It's from no, the it's, 70s. No, it's a, it's a cartoon. <laughs> 60s maybe. It's a cartoon. Um, oh, are you talking about Big City Greens? Yes, Big yeah. City Greens. Um, and there's like a grandmother on that show who looks kind of like Sophia, kind of. Yeah, yeah, she has that vibe to her. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I just saw the one episode again in a hotel, and somebody says, like, you look like the man from the, the Quaker Oats box. And she was like, please, he wishes he looked this good. <laughs> Which I thought was a really funny line. Yeah, that's actually a pretty solid show. My kids watch that on a fairly regular basis, yeah. and yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It sounds funny, though, the way. Like, I know that you have several streaming services mm-hmm. and whatnot but the way it came off was like yeah we don't have a, a tv or anything like that but we were in a hotel and <laughs> so had one a, of them picture boxes you know, there was a show about them country folks who went and lived in a big city <laughs> exactly um yeah I just you know get a room at the comfort inn every weekend so i can watch the golden girls so i can be ready for these recaps that's why, so, that's why i'm always pissed when we have to reschedule All I'm right. like, Great, now i'm at another 79 dollars <laughs> so, well i'm glad that we were able to get two in tonight so that you know that makes up for one of your yeah <laughs> one of your night stays but if you go to hotels.com yeah um, that's actually how we book our hotels oh yeah we get free nights. And I stuff. think we have a free night waiting to use at some point when yeah. we feel inclined <laughs> to travel again. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. Well, this one that you can get a continental breakfast. It's not going to kill you, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Once a buffet is acceptable again, then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one as another one's a little tough as far as the MVP goes. Um, I, I thought it, it was. Wilford. What's that? Give it to Wilford. I'm not going to do that. Give it to uh, Numi. I'm not going to do that either. I, I certainly appreciate that uh, Numi's out there, but at the same time, you know, now 
you know, I feel like if I if I stack that up too much, then that may make others feel alienated. You know, I feel like I know um, I know Sherry an MVP or mm, Dave an MVP or you gotcha. know, and I know there are a few others out. There. We have probably about thirty people that listen consistently, but I just don't know who the other twenty seven people are. Gotcha, um, gotcha, or so. Okay, but uh, anyway, I, I guess I think I would go with um, with Ski on this one and give it to Blanche, but it's <laughs> really. Uh, she kind of made the problem to begin with, too, though. Well, that's I, true, but um, it, it's it's honestly uh, no one stood out in my opinion mm-hmm. particularly well in this one. I did not care for either of the uh, the kids yeah. um, in this one, and I didn't like the hardcore fighting between Dorothy and, yeah. and Rose. So. There was no real B story either. Yeah, you're right. Was there anything going on in the B story? Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Blanche is back. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess so. But that's very minor. Yeah, that's when it was so integrated, kind of just into the, the story anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that like Bridget being you know kind of a B word mm-hmm. to Michael at the start of the episode, if they'd have made her a little nicer, then I think that she would have been the MVP because yeah. then she would have been like you know Oxford educated, living her best life. It's right. Like, who, who doesn't? But you know she was kind of mean to the jazz musician. I just hope that we don't find out here in a few episodes that Oxford didn't work out because she assumed that Rose could help pay for the tuition exactly. <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, the money that Charlie had socked away. But exactly. uh, yeah, anyway, wah, would you be wah, bummed wah. if she has to drop out because she's pregnant? <laughs> Michael be refuses a, to right. step up. <laughs> well, you know, in He's all like, fairness, Stanley said not to. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Really he yeah. He could send all of his money from being a jazz musician, and it still wouldn't be enough to cover that tuition <laughs> exactly. and as well as the care yeah. of the child. But well, she said, um, you know, she was going to live on campus at Oxford, mm-hmm. and I guess Oxford doesn't have a campus; it's a city college. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, at least that kind of goes in line with the, um, I don't know, with the slight flightiness of. You know, that she displayed mm-hmm. early because early in the episode, I thought it was great. That was one thing I did like when she didn't get a joke mm-hmm. that somebody said early in the episode. And that was very Rose like. Yeah. Well, but it was, it was like she lacked Rose's charm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah but she, yeah. she lacked Rose's charm, which, you know. See, I chalked it up to um, basically the Golden Girls writers not being big on, you know, geography. Because uh. they didn't even know that <laughs> the country isn't anywhere near Miami. Uh. <laughs> no one will ever look that up. Right. <laughs> no one knows what Oxford's like. Yeah. What well, was on my third watch when they said something about they went to the country and I was like wait a second they're in Miami <laughs> well, there is me, no country they drive to Alabama <laughs> well let me ask you this did at any point they say Oxford England no I guess it was just implied yeah, so I, you think she went to Oxford Mississippi <laughs> or somewhere there's definitely Oxfords around yeah <laughs> definitely um, maybe they said Cambridge no they said Oxford it was definitely Oxford well I mean but... Oxford's in Cambridge I oh think. okay so, so they use that yeah, yeah I don't know but yeah, maybe it was Oxford, Mississippi or something. Yeah, I don't know. But she's going to Bob Jones University, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ski, how many uh, slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? Um, It was all right, but I didn't uh, I didn't love it, didn't hate it. I'm going to give it a, a four and a half on this one, too. Four and a half. I don't know. I think that's a little generous for this one. I did not dislike it to the extent that I disliked the last episode. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's funny. Again, we started off, I felt like, and I might be a little wrong here, but I felt like five really solid episodes. <laughs> yeah. And now we've had kind of our second subpar one in a row. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they can't all be hits. Yeah. I, I would give it a probably three slices. <laughs> How about you, Brent? Oh, in honor to uh, Wilford Brimley's diabetes, zero. Zero? Oh, because the, there's no cheesecake in this one. So Exactly. Zero cheesecake. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why start now? Oh, and just a, a quick uh, thing. 
Uh, Scott Jacoby or Jacoby. Jacoby, Jacoby um, he played Michael. Not a huge career for either one of the kids. Uh, 40 yeah. titles. Um, but now Michael does come back for a total of three episodes of the Golden Girls. So we are going to get to see him a couple yeah. more times. And he does settle down and get a wife and kid oh, subsequently. Yeah. Yeah. So. Lorraine is the wife. I don't know what the kid's name is. Now we don't have to watch the rest. I'm done. <laughs> now we have another, you know, probably a horror star in his own right um, because he was in uh, To Die For 1 and To Die For 2, Son of Darkness. Mm, so. Nice. You know, perhaps it, Martin was his character name in that. So maybe, you know, much like a prior character, uh, maybe he's got a little cred in the horror industry. Maybe, maybe. Uh, like a Rue McClanahan's niece. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Marilyn Jones, uh, she played Bridget. She had 48 titles, um, 10 episodes of King's Crossing. And, of course, uh, everybody probably remembers her from her one episode as Maggie and BJ and the Bear. Mm, so. and the bear. Yeah, that's a concept I don't get enough of. <laughs> <laughs> got plenty of bears. <laughs> it's a line from Mallrats or oh, Folks or whatever. Um, like there, um, I guess in Mallrats, uh, Brody's talking about. Like, that's a con. Why can't they remake good shows like BJ and the Bear? That's oh. a concept I can't get enough of. <laughs> Yeah, because it's a man and his monkey. Right. Yeah. Like that's a concept, and then they have Suzanne the monkey. Yeah, I can absolutely be on board with that. I mean, one of my favorite, and, and I've rewatched it. It's, it doesn't hold up that well, but I remember loving it when I was uh, younger. Is watching reruns of um, Lancelot Link, yeah. Secret Chimp. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we didn't have the human monkey interaction yeah, yeah. there, but, uh, but yeah, we definitely need more apes in cinema uh, mm-hmm. or in television, at least. <laughs> so. Exactly. I love every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> and with that, stay golden, oh, Coco. Oh, can oh, I add oh. something? <laughs> we had such a high note. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, That's bring good. it down. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about more chimps in uh, cinema. Right. Uh, a fellow that we all like quite a bit, uh, Mr. Kevin Smith, uh-huh. talked about having uh, the monkey in the in the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And uh, so <laughs> they had talked about having one in the reboot, mm-hmm. right? And apparently we're discouraged against it because now I guess there's a push in Hollywood to not use live animals and to do all CG, especially for animals like chimpanzees and, mm-hmm. and apes. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm not exactly sure. I guess it's a, an animal rights issue mm-hmm. probably. So he couldn't, just, he couldn't afford the CG monkey? Well, uh, I think he just decided to write it out. He didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with it if he couldn't mm-hmm. use a direct comparison so wait are you trying to tell me that the uh, monkey and umbrella academy um is not a real ape i have never seen umbrella academy so oh, okay. i i'm just gonna say maybe well he wears a suit <laughs> and he talks with a british accent so i'm sure that's real oh okay good i, I you almost destroyed my entire uh, my entire vision just of the show. just like uh planet of the apes new movies those are all Legit, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Well, just you, highly trained. Did you did you know the reference that Brent just had mentioned about chimpanzee to chimpanzee? I probably didn't get that actually. Uh-huh. What do well, you say? That's a shame. Well, he, he, the reference that he mentioned mm-hmm. is from uh, Planet of the Apes, the musical starring, mm-hmm. starring oh, Troy McClure. Yes. Uh, yes. I do remember that. Yeah. My all time. Doctor Zayas. Doctor Zayas. Doctor. My favorite non-Simpsons Planet of the Apes joke mm-hmm. um, is actually credited to Alan here. Oh, which one is that? Um, when they did the uh, the Tim Burton, Mark Wahlberg version. And, uh. and, and you referred to it as... 
I believe it was Marky Mark and the Monkey Bunch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. That is actually a source of contention in our house. Really? Sherry thinks she thought of that. I believe I thought of that. Mm. And neither of us are conceding the point. Uh -huh. So I... I'm sure I was the first one to say it to you. Yeah. But Sherry says that she said it to me first. Yeah. So... I Which don't it, believe I've heard you say that before, okay. but I'd like to maybe change that as my favorite line now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got a new MVP. <laughs> Even though it has Sorry, no connection Wilford. to the episode, I'd say well, it's as connected as Wilford Brimley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was slightly more, well, I don't know. Yeah, probably, probably exactly as connected as Wilford Brimley is. So, Well, with that, once again, money uh, shot. <laughs> <laughs> Stay golden, Coco. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.